<laughs> Promo code Dave Smith is eight kinds of white supremacists. It's a perfect segue. Yeah. Hopefully that hopefully they caught that live on the stream. Let's see if it's actually working here. Yeah, hey, look at that. That's what we need. We got a stream. <laughs> What's up, folks? Give you guys Hello, some sirs. time to wander your way in here. We have a uh, a nice spicy one today. This should be pretty interesting. A lot of people have heard of a state-controlled press, but the phrase that needs to become more well-known by a lot of people is a press-controlled state. Wow! 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 Can we do an air horn? <laughs> I, I I talked to a a, a Jamaican guy like. Um, just in like my classes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it is, you want to talk about mind virus. I have, I cannot stop thinking in a Jamaican accent. Like <laughs> it comes out when I talk in like weird things. Like he, he actually brought out my original accent kind of because just like sort of like close. I don't, I, it, and just cause I felt so like lighthearted and happy. Like talk to him, you know, What's your original accent? Jamaican. Um, it gets like if I'm comfortable, which is almost never, it gets a little bit Bostony. Oh, okay. Because yeah, a little bit. Um, sometimes I'll sometimes I'll hear it, and like I won't hear it when I'm saying it. But if I ever listen back to, to you know, I, I do like dance videos and stuff like that. If I'm listening to this for clips or stuff like that, like I'll it, I'll just, I'll hear it sometimes, and I'm just like, huh. I was watching a video the other day. Uh, I'm in the Amy and I are in the business for for getting a new car here shortly, and uh, so I was watching a video of a guy doing a like a walk around on a car, and he's just talking. Mm -hmm. and has like a completely normal normal American accent or whatever. He's talking away, talking away, talking away, and then he says Mira. M yeah, M Mira, Mira. I can't, I can't even do that it. One, it was like the the Boston Mira. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that and, that one will get you. Mira. And I was like. Yeah. Whoa, that was strong. I had to go back yeah, and listen to it again. And yep, he's in Massachusetts. It's a six-letter word, and there's 147 R's in it. I mean, it's 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 very difficult. <laughs> What's up, Magoo? I love Magoo this. Magoo 82. Oh yeah, yeah. Thank you, Magoo. I think maybe I think maybe is what he's talking about. Uh, I'm keeping up this bit where I'm a megalomaniac that's just trying to you know, take power from you at any cost. It works for me. And I, I'm pretty sure that I just heard you say a regular, normal American accent. And mm -hmm. we could do a whole episode on everything that's wrong with that. <laughs> but I'm feeling nice today. So we're not like I won't, but <laughs> I took notes. Right. Normal American accent. It's very, uh, uh, well, it's, it's funny that our, our son Eastwood is all his little different stuffed animals and stuff. And there's Did a you long... just presume your child's gender. I'm sorry. I wasn't aware that East. Oh, I didn't, Eastwood talk I didn't her. presume it. I assigned it. <laughs> so, well, so. Well, next up, we, we absolutely need one for next episode. Get a little like soundboard here where we just, I assigned, I assigned it. Tell, tell your adorable story. <laughs> so he uh, so he has all these little uh, little stuffed animals and stuff. And in, in the Erickson family, there's a long history of of the uh, the father being the one to assign the names of the stuffed animals until the child is old enough to do so. 
So exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so so I've been naming all the different all the different uh, animals, stuffed animals he has, and I'm I'm very creative. It's like it's like Gerard the giraffe, and mm-hmm. Ger- he has multiple giraffes. The other one, Geronimo the giraffe, and then uh, the most recent one was this elephant that he got, and so I named him Elwood P. Ethelent, and. And it's just just kind of coming up with weird stuff, but I've named all of his ones that I've named. I've named them all boys, like boy names. And and Amy was like, "There's you're you're very uh, you're pretty pretty bigoted in your name your name making there. You're just just all men." And I said, "Well, he's not nearly old enough to have girlfriends yet." And she was like, "Okay, well that's fair. That's that's a good point." That is fair. Oh, she's she's jumping in here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Eastwood found his own manhood. He doesn't need it assigned. Yes. Yeah. Yes. My four month old son discovered his manhood in the bathtub a couple days ago. So that yeah. was a that was a, 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 a significant moment. I told his mother and she was like, Oh no. <laughs> well you know. I do know. Yeah. All right. So we've we've kind of jibber jabbered here for about five minutes and we got a little audience in here. So uh welcome aboard guys. This is a, another episode of King Pilled. I am Matthew Erickson, I am your host here, and your other host over there is Liberal Steve Mestina. Oh, I almost I almost long. mispronounced your name, Mestina. Steve Mestina, that is your that's your new name. I'm assigning everything tonight. So that's, Liberal Steve yeah, Mestina. That that's gonna be like that's. I, I was thinking about like what if ever magically I'm able to have a family at some point, like what the story is gonna be, and I just like. That's going to be, oh, well, originally the name was Messina, but they got it wrong at the FEMA camp that you're uh, the, the patriarch of this. Uh, I was I was really thinking like it really it really hit me the other day of um, just somehow if ever there is descendants of me in they I don't know, the world doesn't go anything like how I think it's going to. And somehow they have like a way of like looking back and finding me at some point, like I would find a relative that I, that I don't know just just the the list, just just the equivalent of finding that like your grandfather like was like a secret Nazi or something like that. Just everything that that would able to be. And you too, by the way, don't think that you're. I mean, you're in it, but like just the the things that that will will come up, like no doubt. Because I was just thinking about like how this period of history is going to be written about, and and just, just how there will be nothing accurate to speak of. Um, and anything that is accurate is just going to be just completely, just totally memory hold, you know, in, in any way possible. My hope is that my hope is basically that my existence will just simply be memory hold. So they don't have to they don't have to go through that process of, of just finding out. It's like, oh, yes, you're a, yeah. The term was domestic terrorist slash white supremacist. And it's like, oh, I've seen white people before. He doesn't look super. It's like, that's not the point. And the, the definition of a domestic terrorist was someone who was on they, they participated in this this appalling hate filled organization called Parler. And everyone oh, yeah. who everyone who's on Parler or on Gob, all these these people, Gob. they were they were domestic terrorists because they participated in these organizations and so our uh, our hero uh, Pocahontas saved us from them. And we live on today in in, in peace and great harmony because of that. I heard someone pronounce it parlay. I mean, were they doing a thing? I have no or idea. Like, like I'm kind of like it's parlor. I don't understand why this is difficult to pronounce. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> what an anglophile! I love it. <laughs> All right. So, so today, what we're uh, what we're going to talk about is 
Uh, there's a couple different couple different articles and, and and interesting little little cultural tidbits here that I wanted to touch on and kind of you'll see as we go throughout this that I'm trying to kind of build up to a certain particular point and that particular point is related to a a, a certain dude that's that's currently attempting to take over the Libertarian Party and I'm I'm wanting to to I, I want him to be very successful I want him to be successful with what he's doing. And I think in order to do that, he, there's more information that he needs. I think that he needs to to kind of see a broader picture or not, maybe not even a broader picture, but a more focused picture. Because I guess if from one way you could look at it, I think he's a little little too broadly focused. And of course, I'm speaking of the one and only uh, white supremacist. Nick Sarwak. <laughs> right? Nailed it. I didn't get the memo. What are we talking about today? Nailed it. <laughs> it's, the, it's the guy who's supposed to debate Stephen Mastina on Lions of Liberty. The oh, are you talking here. about the guy who platforms white supremacy? That's and, the one. Is, and is a pipeline to pipeline to something for something. Yeah, that one. That, that, I, one. that I totally believe all this stuff, and exactly. that I need to debate him about it, not exactly. that I'm trying to do a bit to grow grow a show. <laughs> yes, Dave Smith, the one and only Dave Smith, who's the host of part of the problem. So Dave Smith. So what I'm what I'm going to do is is ultimately I kind of have a message for Dave that I wanna I wanna kind of get through to him throughout the course of this episode, but I wanted to touch on a couple other stories in between now and then to, to kind of flesh out that point and illustrate what I'm, what I'm trying to say. And uh, so if you guys, uh, if you guys are watching this live right now, if you could do me a favor and, and like this episode and, and then share the show and, and also subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, if you're watching on Facebook, then um, I'll throw a, a link Stop to watching the on Facebook channel. and go to YouTube. Yeah, here I'll throw a I'll throw a link in here <laughs> so you guys can can go over to YouTube and you can subscribe there. There, I just threw it in the comments of the Facebook stream. So if you guys can go over and like the uh, the the YouTube channel here, we're working on trying to grow this show and we want to try to get this message in in front of the right people. I don't I don't want to get it in front of as many people as possible because I've like I've said in past episodes. Our goal here is to create an echo chamber. We want to create just a network of people who think and believe the way that we do, or who are at least willing to think and believe the way that we do. So, so that's our goal. And so, if you're going to share the show, don't just share the show willy nilly. Yes, yes. This is this is our goal. We had, we push you away, and then we it's kind of like takeaway selling, where you like take the thing away from someone and you make them want it. Mm -hmm. What we're going to do is we're going to push you away and make you want to come back. I don't think it actually works that way, but but we're going to try it. So That's what we're going to do. So, yeah. So if you guys can, can share the show, but don't share it willy-nilly. Just share it with people who you think will like it and and people who you think will, will this message will resonate with. And if you want to know what King Pilled means, go listen to either of our last two episodes that we did. Uh, where the, we talk about it for three hours. And where we, where we elaborate on it. close to figuring it out. <laughs> right. We elaborate on it at length, and we might have come up with a definition for it. So but right now, not. right now, what we're working on, like uh, off off screen, like before we do the episode, we're, we're trying to figure out, like get a logo and and get a, a little intro and all this kind of normal podcast stuff. And we're, I'm like, OK, so he's like, he's like, what do you want to what do you want the, the, the intro to say? Just like king pilled or, you know, do you want to say something else? I'm like, well, I want it to be kind of like a little intro just so people like if they're happening upon it, they, they have a kind of a, a nutshell idea of what the show is supposed to be about. So they know what to expect. So I'm going through all my other uh, podcasts that I listen to and kind of listening to the the different intros that they have and trying to think of, okay, well, how would we, how would we define this in a nutshell? And so I asked him, I was like, I was like, what is, what, what is he, what even is the point of our show? Like to put it into a nutshell, what is even is the point of our show? And he never replied. So I think, that I think we're it's both coming to me now, actually. Shoot. I kind of have it. Um, it's, it's not like totally fleshed out, but what if, I mean, cause basically what we do is we sort of, we sort of shred the three by five 
index card of allowable opinion in many ways, wouldn't you say? Definitely. That's 100% what we do. We take that card and we well, shred okay. it. We need to end the state. And if you want to know, if you want to know who America's, this is, I'm channeling right now, you know who America's next enemy is. Then look, look at, at who, who we're, we're arming today. Right. 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 Oh my exactly. God, soulmates. Yeah. Okay. We're totally on Between the same those page. Two, we can definitely come up with something. <laughs> if for, for those who know, they know. They know what, this, what that's a reference to. So Listen, if anyone is watching this and they don't know what those, both of those, not just, you can't just skate with one. If you're watching this, you don't know what both those references are. Matthew doesn't want you to watch this show. Exactly. Okay. Stop watching it immediately. Unsub and un unsubscribe. And unsubscribe and unlike the video. If you don't know both of those references, then you I don't want need your to do goddamn it. video likes if you don't know those two references. <laughs> Get the heck out of here. Part of the woods. Magoo said part of the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Well, if we had t-shirts to give away, Magoo, you'd have six by now. <laughs> okay, so so the first story here that I wanted to 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 dig into is uh, probably the more provocative of the two, if we're if we're being being honest here. It's Ooh. this this tweet was put out from so many. If you're on Twitter, you should follow this guy at real Chris Rufo. Rufo is spelled R-U-F-O. He's done a lot of really good work on on homeschooling and just on the education system in general and the 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 extent to which critical race theory is is mobbing its way through the the academic institutions. And so he has a scoop here that he tweeted out earlier today. It's the principal of Eastside Community School in New York sent white parents this quote-unquote tool for action. And what this tool for action is, is it's, it's called the eight white identities. So apparently, according to, to Barnor Hess, Hesse, Hess, Hesse, whatever, he says there is a regime of whiteness and there are action-oriented white identities. People who identify with whiteness are one of these. It's very interesting, like people who identify with whiteness. So what if I don't identify with whiteness? Like, do I get to determine these things? Do I get to assign <laughs> oh, my whiteness? Because I don't, you don't know how fun that's, I, that's hilarious. That's fantastic. <laughs> because you know, there's, yeah, that's, there's no way that anyone who's buying into this horseshit, and I don't want to I don't want to bury the lead here. I'm, uh, I don't know if maybe you're wildly in support of all this. But there's no there's no way anyone who buys into this is allowing you to determine what your whiteness level is. Like there's no no right. way that you could just say, you know what, I really don't think I identify as, as white. No, my whiteness happening. level was assigned to me at birth. Right. According to these people, my my gender was not assigned to me at birth. My my gender is is up in the air until I decide. But my whiteness was assigned to me at birth. So. So anyway, so he says, it's about time we build an ethnography of whiteness, since white people have been the ones writing about and governing others. And others has a capital O. These people are just so strange. The way they write and communicate is just very, very bizarre. Others with a capital O. Anyways, so here are the five or the eight white identities. I almost took away some of their identities. So these are, he. it's, it's like across a, like a, like a dial, like from kind of like from like zero to 10, except it's from red on one side to green on the other side. There's so many colors here. So yeah. they range I from I, I do a really bad visual aid while they, you're talking. Hold yeah. On. If you can, if you can put that up there, cause I'm not going to lift my computer up. 
Yeah, so anyone so if you're watching this, you guys can see that there. So on the far on the far right side, the green side, that's the good people, and on the red side is the bad people. And the yellow ones in between, I guess, are the ones that we're working on. So at the far right on the green side excuse me, on the green side it says those are the white abolitionists. So apparently the best person that you can be is someone who wants to abolish whiteness, which is a very, a very interesting thing to advocate. Um, I, I don't think that we've ever in the in world history, we've ever experienced a situation where people categorized people according to uh, a, a trait of their of their biology and then advocated the abolition of them. I think this is a very yeah. interesting subject that they're 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 kind of getting into. I think there's a lot the of level potential of their their suicide. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then the the next the next uh, as you're headed toward the 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 red area, the the, the second step here is the white trader. And Absolutely I, I been have called to white trader about a thousand times. <laughs> I, I have I to know admit, it was a compliment the whole time. right, right. I have to admit, I I never expected that we would see white trader actually trending in the, the the popular consciousness. I've been very familiar with this phrase for a long time. Um, I, I kind of think the places where I've heard this phrase in the past, I think the people who were using it probably wouldn't really get along with Barner Hess. But I, I mean, hey, they've at least they've got a starting point. They've got something in common where they can begin. They both like to talk about white traders. So then the next step I'm is sorry, I was I was dying. I is, myself like, God damn it, <laughs> Stephen can barely breathe. <sighs> so so the next step down here. So so if you're not you, you know you're not a white abolitionist. So I mean not everyone can be perfect. But uh, but you're not even a white traitor. You haven't even decided to to be a traitor to your whiteness. You're just critical of your whiteness. So that's this would be someone who's white critical. And, and, and I would like to just say this area right here in, in our graph, if you're following along, uh, it's where the green starts to think about blending into yellow. So you are on thin ice if you're only white critical. <laughs> You you need to be much more into the green range. You don't want to get into yellow because yellow people are very bad. We cannot be right. associated with yellow people. Uh -huh. So I just realized there's another picture here actually where it defines these even more. So let me go through and, and, and actually read this, these definitions. So it says there's a regime of whiteness and there are action-oriented white identities. People who identify with whiteness are one of these. Okay, yeah, I already read that. So the white abolitionist is defined as changing institutions – Dismantling whiteness and not I'm so sick allowing of that word. what dismantling. I, oh God, am I yes. sick of that fucking word? These once you start reading these Oof. people or at least just hearing them talk, there's many words that they use very often. Others is a word that they use very often, mm -hmm. like other kin and stuff like that. So, so they dismantling. So you have to dismantle your whiteness. I'm not quite sure how I dismantle my whiteness, but um, I'm sure that there's lots of people here who would be happy to explain it to me. Um, I won't listen to them. So <laughs> white abolitionist is changing institutions, dismantling whiteness and not allowing whiteness to reassert itself. So this sounds to me like a game of conquest. That's, that's, that, that's the language that I'm hearing here, but you know, I could be wrong. So the white trader actively refuses complicity and names what's going on. Intention is to subvert white authority and tell the truth at whatever cost. We need them to dismantle institutions. So the problem with them is that they don't want to go so far as to dismantle the institutions. They just want to subvert white authority. So these are subversive folks. 
they're very subversive. They, uh, they name what's going on and they active, actively refuse complicity. They aren't complicit with whiteness. Um, I would say that that's about where I fall. I'm, I'm sure maybe not for any of the, maybe I don't think the people who wrote these definitions would agree, but yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm into subverting, you know, white authority and, uh, and, and di- would disassociate. What would, di- yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in there somewhere. Not the way that you think, but I would say I'm in there. I'm a white trader. I'm white, we've got, we've got white trader and we've got subversion. Um, I, I we're, we're really hitting a lot of the buzzwords here tonight. So the next step down would be the white confessional. Some exposure of whiteness takes place, but as a way of being accountable to POC after. What? Oh, oh, some exposure of whiteness takes place, but as a way of being accountable to POC after. So so they're not fully uh, subsumed into the POC domination. They uh, they still um, let some of their whiteness shine through. Um, but it's just in the form of of confessing their whiteness. They they have to express, they have to acknowledge their sinfulness and and confess the evil that they've participated in, and they seek absolution from POC, um, or or in this terms, they they seek validation from the, from POC. These so, are the most annoying ones so far. Yeah, those those would probably be the ones who uh, who we hear the most from. We probably yeah. hear about white confessional people a lot. There's a lot of people who who feel very guilty for their whiteness and they feel um, inclined to to tell everyone about how guilty they feel about it and and to to make sure that everyone else they they, they want everyone else to feel just as guilty. And uh, I don't I don't know how well how much they're succeeding, but uh, I guess they're definitely having some success with some people. So then you get to the to the middle here. Kind of now you, now you've gone over the top and you're starting to head down toward the red. And it's white benefit. So these people are sympathetic to a set of issues, but only privately. They won't speak or act in solidarity publicly because benefiting through whiteness in public. So they're these are people who who are like like all white people. They're benefiting from the uh, the established institutions because. Um, one of the key ways to understand the way the world works is to acknowledge first that uh, white people are the most powerful people. White people are the ones who control all the institutions. And uh, if you're not white, then uh, you uh, are incapable of controlling institutions. Well, so, that's uh, just a reminder. Make sure uh, visit mudwater.com backslash promo. Sorry, not backslash promo code white benefit. Um, and again, you will be given five uh, percent ownership of the company Mudwater. We have so many promo, promo code white benefit. Yes, we got eight. We have eight now. Oh, eight. Yeah, there we go. We got eight. So, uh, so they're, they're sympathetic to a set of issues, but only privately. So these people are, they're, you know, they're, they, they've got some sympathy, but they keep it to themselves. They aren't actually out there uh, doing the work, confessing their, their benefit. They aren't, they aren't confessing the, um, the way in which their existence oppresses POC. So uh, we got three left here. So the next one is white privilege, which is they make uh, they make critique supremacy, but a deep investment in questions of fairness and equality under the normalization of whiteness and the white rule. The white rule. Very interesting. White people rule. Whites are rulers. This is very interesting. I feel like I'm saying words here that are very likely to get my channel taken down. But I'm just I'm just repeating what these people are, are, are advocating in public schools. So white rule. So the, the normalization of whiteness and the white rule, 
they, these people, these white privileged people have a sworn goal of diversity. See, the problem with these people is they are, their goal is diversity and diversity is a manifestation of whiteness. It's a manifestation of white supremacy because if you have diversity, then that means that white people are present and white people exist and you haven't fully um, eliminated, you haven't fully dismantled whiteness. So having diversity isn't good enough. You can't just have diversity, you have to dismantle whiteness completely. So if you're someone whose goal is diversity, which is kind of a standard, a pretty standard left wing trope, they always talk about diversity and the necessity of having diversity. And then conservatives are all about, you know, falling all over themselves to talk about how diverse they are. You know, look, we have gay ones, too. You know, we have gay conservatives. You can be gay and you can be conservative. You can even be trans and you can be conservative. This is conservatives position here. They're, they're very committed to diversity. Well, that, that only gets you to a three out of eight. That doesn't even get you over halfway over the hump. Just a commitment to diversity isn't enough. You've got, you know, beyond that, you have to go to benefit and confessional and critical and traitor and abolitionist. Like you have, that's how far you have to go. So I, like, I'm being a little sarcastic with this, but like the, the, the point here is these people are so, so far outside the realm of normalcy, the realm of normal conversation, the well of the, the realm of what like normal people think and believe they're, they're like completely redefining what left means. And that's the point. That's the point. These are the people who do this. These are the people who chart the course. These are the people who map the territory. And what you're seeing now is what will be mainstream in a, in a short period of time. So I, I think to, to understand how to manage these types of people, you you have to understand just how incredibly radical they are, that a commitment to diversity only gets you to the three out of eight. It hardly gets you off of, off of white supremacist. That's how far this conversation has traveled. So number two is white voyeurism. These people wouldn't challenge a white supremacist. They desire non-whiteness because it's interesting and pleasurable. So this is like, I guess, people who want to, like white dudes who want to sleep with black chicks or something, or, or, or I guess the other way around, white chicks who want to sleep with black dudes, they're, they're white voyeurs. So they won't even challenge a white supremacist when they see one of them for five minutes, once in their entire lifetime, when they happen to stumble across one, they don't challenge him. That, that shows you that, you know, that's, that's not even the bare minimum. You can't even, you can't even get by with that. They seek to control the consumption and appropriation of non-whiteness. They seek to control the consumption and appropriation of non-whiteness. I, I swear, I can hardly understand what these people are saying. They have a yeah. fascination with culture, for example, consuming black culture without the burden of blackness. So so yeah. blackness is a burden. Damn it. Maybe I'm a white voyeur. Shit. Blackness. Like I, 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 I hardly I can hardly believe the words that I'm saying here. And, mm. and that's that's a point here that I want to drive. At. But let me finish this real quick. So so number one is, of course, white supremacist clearly marked white society that preserves names and values white superiority. Well, preserves and names. So I've never heard so much about white superiority in my life until I started listening to these people. So they've got at least two out of the three. They're definitely preserving and naming white superiority. No one else is as committed to persuading everyone that whiteness is superior, that whiteness rules. Like, what did it say down here? The white rule, the normalization of whiteness and the white rule. The, these people are the other coin 
of white supremacists. Like it's, they, they, these, they have the exact same worldview. They just say it's a bad thing and white supremacists say it's a good thing. But they're both describing the exact same world. And I, the, the, I can't imagine growing up in a, in a going through a public school system and just being a consumer of mass media and not really ever encountering much outside your, your, your social circle and hearing a message like this from influential people who are tasked with, with teaching you. Like if you're a kid growing up and you hear this, especially if you're a, if you're a POC, if you're not a, if you don't have whiteness, which I mean, now they've even got like non-white white people when they're talking about like the Proud Boys. They, you know, they see a guy who's part of their, what they've defined as a white supremacist organization. And he's very clearly not white. He's, he's not even like, like pretending to be white. He's not even close to white. That and, dude is. And so what, what was that? I can't remember so the term. Not white. <laughs> I can't remember the term that they used, but it was something about, about white. It was a, it was like non-white white supremacists. And uh, it was like like indigenous white supremacist or something. I don't remember what it was. Anyway, so these the I can't imagine how damaging this would be to a kid's psychology to have this beaten into your head that white people rule, blackness is a burden. Imagine growing up thinking that your skin color, like being ex not not just kind of coming to this conclusion because of the culture around you or something, but being explicitly trained that your skin color is a burden. The, I mean, what we've talked about before about the, the, the function of the mind and how you determine your own reality, like you get to dictate your reality based on, on what you believe and what you choose to tell yourself about the world. So if you, if like these people are training young black kids that their skin color is a burden and these people are positioning themselves as authorities, I can't, I can't think of a better way to completely break the psyche of, of, of people who are ostensibly oppressed and downtrodden. This is the, this is the opposite of a message of empowerment. This is a message of them saying all the white supremacists there, they're all right. They are all correct. They've described the world accurately. They're the ones who are in power. They have power. This is a, this is a, a, a sure way to, um, to, to, to just completely destroy the psyche of a little kid. It looks like we've, uh, might've lost Steven here. So, We'll see if he uh, if he jumps back in. Um, I know that the uh, that is on my screen. He's frozen up. I want to make sure that he has a chance to get back in here if he's out. Okay, there we go. All right, thank God. He's back. All okay, right, you, Did, you could you hear me? I could. Are you done talking about all all the things that are gonna? Um, Lose, lose all my Facebook friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Goodbye, Facebook friends. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, the good news is the Facebook, all your Facebook friends are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let me, let me, be, let me take should, a look at these comments here. Some material here. Um, we should release some material. We need to buy a URL and write, a, write an ebook. We need to, we, we need a plethora of URLs. That's what our business model is going to be, is, is URLs. Nope, yeah. You know what? When you want, when you want your mud water, don't go to mudwater.com. No, 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 no. <laughs> go to, uh -oh. go to. <laughs> this is an interesting oh, point here, Bob Ross. We've got Bob Ross in the comments section tonight, guys. Oh, Welcome my aboard, gosh. Bob. Congratulations. 
He said that he said white supremacist is number one. He says agreeing with liberals for the wrong reasons. That's a <laughs> that's a that's an insightful way of looking at it. I like that. Yeah. Uh, yes. Magoo said these people think higher of me than I do. <laughs> BRB, I've got to go rule something real quick. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. 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 All this time, I didn't know I was a ruler. But so so the reason <laughs> I thought know. that was interesting to highlight was that it it illustrates the the insanity of of the types of people like where where the the popular culture is right now because it, this is this this is the sort of thing that's taking over educational institutions and as like any powerful tyrant would be tyrant ever has understood if you want to control the culture you start by controlling the educational system if you can control what the future generation thinks and believes then you literally control their reality and you can control and dictate how they're going to behave. So if you want to get at people, you have to control education. And if you aren't focused on this, if you don't realize this, if this hasn't, if this hasn't, doesn't resonate with you, then you're dead in the water with whatever, with whatever movement, whatever political or social movement you want to advance. It starts with education. It starts with, with what, what people are taught. So, this is kind of where this this kind of is like it establishes the like I guess it kind of like it like plants a stake at the far end of where um, of what we're dealing with the type of people that we're dealing with and and because the people who are spreading this kind of thing they're lost they're a lost cause you're never gonna have a conversation with them you literally it's like you might as well go have a conversation with a fence post you're gonna have way more productive experience. So these aren't the people that you're trying to talk to. You're trying to talk to the people who they're talking to. And you have to understand the world that they see. You have to understand uh, how they've been trained to think about reality and think about the world around them. And if you can't communicate in a way that, that resonates with them in any way, if you can't um, meet them where they're at and you can't identify what they need and what they want – and somehow provide that to them, then you're never going to get anywhere with them. Because what these people are telling them is we will take care of you. Not only are they promising to take care of them, they're giving them a war to fight. Every man wants a war to fight. They want a, they want an, an enemy and a sword to go attack them with. And what these people have done is they've created the perfect enemy. They've created a, uh, it's it's effectively an unwinnable war because it doesn't even have real uh, stated goals. The, the, the goals are complete nonsense. It's complete absurdity. But I mean, look at Afghanistan. This is this is like this is like the cultural version of the war in Afghanistan. It'll never be won because there's no actual goal to there's no actual definition of what winning is. It's just no matter what happens, we have to keep fighting. So it You're gets so people smart. God, that was so good. What? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know how good that was? What you just said—the cultural version of the war in Afghanistan—that's really good. <laughs> well, it's, it's, know, like you, you say all this shit, and I just don't know if you ever hear yourself talk. Sometimes that was good. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I don't. I don't really. I just kind of. I just kind of open my mouth and let words fall out and <laughs> hope that they sound yeah. good. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so it's it's you're never going to actually win this war. The only way that you're going to do anything, the only way you're going to accomplish anything is by you can do one of two things. You can disengage completely or you can 
outfight them. You can over, and the only way you're going to outfight them is by overpowering them. Like that's the only thing you could just take away their ammunition. You could take away their, their, uh, their, their, their captive audience. You have to, you have to attract their captive audience away by offering them something even greater. These, they're I offering them a actually, war. You have to offer yeah. them a better one. I wanted to actually do an experiment to see if in fact it was unwinnable, but I, I, like I wanted to, I wanted to do this experiment and just post on Facebook uh, something along the lines of, and this is well before like I saw this. I mean, I saw this today, but um, you know, it, it is interesting how white abolition is on like the 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 green end, the good end of uh, of where you can be on this. I was gonna post to Facebook that um, like all white males, all straight white males should commit ritual suicide. And just see if it got flagged or if it got an award, you know, like I just, like what would happen? You know I mean? If I just advocated for that, you know, would I, would I be banned from Facebook or would I become like president of Facebook immediately? You know what I, I mean? I just, I didn't know where, like, I just wanted to know where, where are we at with, with, with all this? You know what I mean? In terms of what you can say, can't, you know what I mean? I just, what, put what it, would put the reaction, it this way, put it this way. Be? That phrase that you just said, you said you wanted to, yeah. to post something on Facebook. What was that phrase? Yeah. Say it again. Uh, all something along the lines of all straight white males um, owe it to society to commit ritual suicide. Okay, take that phrase. <laughs> take that okay. phrase you just said. Subtract straight white males and input mm -hmm. literally any other identity. <laughs> right. And will you even say that on YouTube? You won't even say it. Because you know exactly what will happen. So, sure. so I think, yeah, I guess I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Like that's, that's right. the fact that it's a question. Right. The fact right. that it's, it's a plot, we could have a discussion about it for like right. a couple of minutes. Yeah. So this, I mean, these, this is, this is the cultures are driven by the stuff at the fringes. Cultures aren't driven by what the majority think. And this is the great, this is the great, uh, uh, like this is the flaw of democracy. And this is the, this is like the flaw of liberalism as well. It's just like cultures are not driven by the majorities. They're driven by the extreme minorities who will not budge and who offer something that is favorable to the people who are already in power. You, if your message does not empower the oligarchs, you will never be successful because the oligarchs determine who will be successful and who will uh, who 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 will who will take power? Apart from like outright, I'm not even going to say that. Apart from from uh, you know taking the oligarchs completely out of the picture altogether, if you catch my drift, this is just the nature of the way that human. <laughs> this is the nature of the way that human societies organize themselves, and there is always going to be a cabal of elites who control all the resources, who control everything, and they're going to inflict their will upon everyone else. So it's a matter of offering them a world that they can get behind, that offers them something. And unless you do that, if, you're, if your political message is get rid of the oligarchs, then you better have a gigantic frickin' army, and you better have like all the resources in the world. Because that's the that's the worst type of political message if you want to be successful. And people might bring up like, oh, the French Revolution, whatever, and, and we could get in that another time. But that that's that's the that's not the, the traditional narrative and story of what happened in the French Revolution, the Russian Revolution or any of these is not what actually happened. And I mean, if, if 
really, I mean, the gist of this here is that you need to understand the neo-reactionary power analysis. That's the that's the that, that's the gist of it. And until you've understood that, you're completely out of your depth trying to 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 negotiate complex human social organizations. So, isn't it interesting that like people were, you know, a lot of white people also were were working you know, tirelessly preoccupied about escaping eternal damnation. So they decided to get rid of Christianity so that they could worry about escaping eternal damnation just from being white. Right, 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 right. This is, this is, that's, this is the uh, great observation. It's a very mold buggy observation that what we're dealing with now, the, the woke culture, the wokest culture is, a, I think I think we talked about this before. Basically, that it's a it's a it's a secular atheist bastardization of Christianity. It's their worldview is built on on a, a superstructure of Christianity, and they've just substituted God for themselves for this for the, the self. bar is even higher with this. The what? It's, it's the bar is even for redemption is even higher than that in in, in this. Right, like right. New, new religion. And, yeah. I mean, and technically, it's unattainable. Technically, there's nothing right. you can actually do to ever attain it. So it's 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 like mm. infinitely high, because the uh, the 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 entire thing is all about a struggle. <laughs> Ironically, they're they're describing Don't the struggle it. that you have to uh, that you have to undertake, and you have to constantly struggle. This is a very Marxian language. This perpetual struggle that uh, we have to be constantly uh, tearing down and remaking society. That that you know, uh, structures and, and institutions are oppressive by their very nature. And so once they exist, you have to dismantle them. And this is the, the only way to ever achieve the, the Marxist utopia is by constantly dismantling the, uh, these, these, these structures. But all of this all evolved within a, a Christian, like a, a, upon a Christian foundation. And they didn't completely invent a new, like a completely new epistemology. They just built upon the existing one. And this is this was uh, Nietzsche's. The reason he said God is dead, he wasn't exulting that God was dead. He was he was recognizing that what happened is they took the 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 they took the machine, they took the system, and they yanked the heart out of it. And then they tried to keep the system running again. And he realized that without that source of meaning without the a a uh, like a, a moral center that everyone can can identify and identify with that there was going to be a lot of bloodshed and he predicted that that, that was going to happen and, and Carlyle made basically a very similar observation that the the 20th century was going to be a century of of immense bloodshed and strife and and chaos this is what happens when you you basically try to practice christianity without christ that's what wokeism is. It's people trying to uh, they're they're pursuing heaven on earth, and it's they're 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 trying to attain salvation by their works, and they have an original sin, and their 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 creation story really is the is is civil like the civil rights era and, and and starting with slavery up through the civil rights era, and and it's interesting they've got this competing the 1619 project competing with 1776, and there because america the 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 story of america is so um inextricable from or 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 you you cannot extract from the story of america god god and christianity and the these the, the principles of the divinity of 
of um, each individual. All this stuff is all wrapped up in the in the mythology of America. So they they have to upset all of that. They have to destroy all of that. They have to get rid of it. This is what Antonio Gramsci talked about, that they have to eliminate this mythology and replace it with their own. That's why they have this 1619 project. Because they're operating, they, they're, 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 again, they're trying to operate within the exact same context, the American, the American context. Here, I'm going to mute you real quick because you're a, there you go. Um, they're, they're operating within this American context, but they are, they're, they're, tr they're redefining it. This is part of the dismantling is they're redefining everything. And so what they're basically doing is they're trying to do this, the substitute where they're going to like yank one rug out and slide another one in under people and they're 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 trying to accomplish this without without like upsetting the apple cart too much but eventually they're definitely going to upset the apple cart so the the whole mythology of america this is what this is why why trump's make america great again was so powerful because it struck directly at the heart of this and i don't think that was intentional on his part necessarily um though he was being uh influenced in a lot of his messaging by people who definitely get this sort of thing like steve bannon but the that's why that's why the the Americanism thing and the greatness of America and all of that that's why this strikes directly at the heart of wokeism because they have to destroy that while that mythology has a hold on people's minds they will never be successful advancing their new mythology so they have to convince everyone that this is a nation built on on racism on their original sin because once they've done that once you accept that once you cede that territory. Now you've acknowledged that, yes, their creation myth is accurate. Their creation myth is real. And literally, they will eliminate all of history prior to that. As they take power, they will destroy any evidence of history prior to that. And for them, the world will begin at either 1619 or even at the, at the civil rights era. That's, that's when it will all begin. And anything that happened before that will be completely verboten to, to discuss or talk about at all. There's a guy from the Mises uh, um, caucus who posted on uh, Facebook, and it was just all the words of the Pledge of Allegiance. But everything else, everything other than I pledge allegiance to and God, those are the only things that weren't redacted. Everything else was totally redacted. So basically it reads, I pledge allegiance to God. And so the comments were interesting. because like a lot of people appreciate it, but you had a lot of people in the comments saying, well, I, you know, I, uh, I pledge allegiance to liberty and, um, you know, when injustice and, you know, and well, like well-intentioned people, it's like, you really can't even argue with them. And especially if, if, if they're, you know, they don't consider themselves Christians or, or whatever, but it, um, I don't want to make it like what, what I, what I, what I said in, in the comment that I seemed to resonate with people was that we were seeing that societies will pledge allegiances to one God or another. And capital G is the best choice for anyone who loves the idea of liberty. So, Bingo. It's just if you're if you're um, I don't know if, if you're if you're you're bucking the God thing. It's just that you're 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 surrendering any hope of any any of the values that you know the 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 world's best libertarian or whatever would list of anything that you pledge allegiance. If if you take God out of it, it's just you're 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 giving you're just ceding the ground immediately. Right, right. You 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 are suited to I don't know. You are suited to just live christianly like and i don't know whatever 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 that does for you, for you, like, i don't know if it gives you like a weird feeling in your throat or like, i don't know what the resistance would be but i don't, I don't you know the, the further down the line of all these these principles and these ideals you're going to get there eventually um 
I don't know. Just, Liberty, I, I'm just, Liberty doesn't exist. Forward, we don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> Liberty doesn't exist in a vacuum. Like Liberty isn't just something that spontaneously exists. It's not a, it's not the, the natural state of man. If you I just do uh, Imagine a, like human beings, like run this simulation in your head. Imagine the very first human beings, like it's, it's two people, one, one, one small family and they, they have a child and then they have more children. So, and, and imagine just for the sake of the, of the illustration that they live in one little area and they think that they're the only human beings who exist. And then one day they're out traipsing through the, the savanna and they come across other human beings. Their first response to them is not going to be, hey, libertarian paradise. You know, let's just kind of hang out and I'll do our own thing. They're going to immediately be suspicious and fearful. And that, that's how they're going to treat each other until they have sufficient time to get to know each other and, and, and understand each other. And once they've done that, then they might start to trust each other. But the only way they'll trust each other is if they have a a common mythology or a common like metaphysical narrative that they can attach themselves to, because that's what breeds trust between people. If I know that you believe in the same world that I do, that we both want the same thing, then we can trust each other. And then we can have private mutual exchange and voluntary transactions and stuff. You can't do that with people who don't have a belief system in common. And, and libertarians have, they, they kind of, I think they kind of intuitively understand this sort of, so that's why they're like trying to convince people to become libertarians. But libertarianism isn't a belief system. It's an absence of a belief system. It's saying that, that every belief system should just get along and just all, all, all work together, which, okay, yeah, sure, great. You know, and, and people shouldn't kill each other. But it's like, what are you bringing to the table? This isn't this isn't a, a a message that resonates with people like by definition. If it did, it would be more popular than it is. People aren't uh, people aren't embracing libertarianism. The, the the reason that people aren't embracing libertarianism is not because they don't know what it is. People already know what it is, and they just aren't interested in it because it doesn't introduce anything to their life. It doesn't provide them anything of value. It's literally a negative proposition. It's saying the whole um, we're going to take over the world and leave you alone. That's the worst sales pitch of all of mankind's history. Nobody wants to be taken over and left alone. Are you kidding me? That's that's madness. Leave me alone. Don't take me over and leave me alone. And why do I why am I going to join you? Like this is where so Dave's talking to Hotep Jesus and he says, you know, we want to take over the Libertarian Party, but we don't want to actually accomplish anything. What, then what reason does anybody have to participate with you? You just explicitly said you don't want to accomplish anything. So if you're not trying to accomplish anything, then then what reason does anybody have to come alongside you? You're not offering to give them anything new. You're just offering to take something away from them. And that's not compelling to anybody. People don't attach to that. And you can't build a society around not the state. And if that's all libertarianism is, is government bad, it's never going anywhere. That That's not a that's that that's a that's a poorly crafted message. And I know that libertarians are going to say, oh, well, it's this, you know, blah, 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 corporations, business, blah, 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 blah. And, and this is where this is where, again, this is why people hate libertarians, because they what they wind up becoming is we're the pro business group we're the pro business people so okay we're the pro corporation people is effectively what that is and the problem with the state is the state is just a gigantic freaking corporation 
the so so when your when your message is distilled down to just just oh well business is fine but government is bad, well all the stuff that's being foisted through the culture now isn't starting with the government. These are private actors that are bringing this stuff in, and it gets worse with the government. I'll grant you that. Yeah, for sure. But the problem doesn't start with the government. So eliminating the government doesn't eliminate the problem. It just eliminates one of the tools. And that's assuming you can actually even get into the business of eliminating the government. To get into the business of eliminating the government, you have to be in the business of accumulating power. And libertarians are explicitly saying we shouldn't have power. Nobody should have power. So you, you don't even have the luxury of talking about what to do when the government isn't there because you don't even have a plan for it. If you don't have a plan for it, you need to get out of the ring. It's like shit or get off the pot. Until you can present something of value to people that solves their problems, that gives them an enemy to fight, that gives them a war to compete in, and, and meaning and a god to fight for, you are never going to have a successful political movement. A successful political movement is exactly the same as a successful religious movement. It requires a god. And it requires a God that can solve any problem and that anybody can identify and associate themselves with. And it just so happens that one of them already exists and that there's already like an established religion that you know, works pretty well for a lot of this stuff. But, you know, libertarians can't backpedal away from that fast enough because they associate this with, the, with conservatives and with Trump humpers or whatever. And, and it just reveals, once again, just completely how disconnected and out of touch they are from the actual nature of the culture. So do um, you have anything else you want what's to add there? Well, what's interesting, um, you talk about power dynamics. I saw, I saw a fascinating article um, that's talking about um, – I'll just give you the title. Washington Post uh, Public Editor. The powerful have realized they don't need the post. Huh, that's a pretty good article. Yeah. Maybe we should talk about it. Yeah, you want to? Yeah, let's do it. it. Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right. I looked up the guy who wrote it because there was like there was like a line or two in here. That it was, you, you, you had quite a roller coaster as you were reading this. It was funny. Tell people what, you, yeah. what your experience yeah. was. Yeah, well, uh, okay. I'll just, I'll just give like a couple op the opening line or so. Um, this month, we learned that Tesla, a $400 billion public company run by one of the richest people in the world, has done away with its media relations department, effectively uh, formalizing an informal policy of ignoring reporters. Though we should all be grateful for the chance to hear less about Tesla. We should, my screen's cracked all over the place. We should also recognize this for what it is. One more glaring data point showing that powerful people no longer think they need the mainstream press, especially critical and ethical outlets like the Washington Post. <laughs> and so first, first I, first I, I texted Matthew. I was just like, may, may I call you Matthew? You may. Okay. Uh, and I, I, I was like, is this guy, this guy, this is like a job application. Like, fuck it, you know? And, um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so then I kept reading it and then it, it, it was, it was still that thick. And I, and I, I was, I real I was like, oh, this is like if liberal Steve was sort of doing an article like in in a persona for a bit, and then he, he like he's gonna it's gonna end be end up like something that like he thinks just like like we do or, or or whatever. And and then I felt real dumb that I didn't pick up on like I mean they're banging me over the head with like sarcasm and irony. 
and then I kept reading and is like, nope, that's, 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 uh, that's his actual point of, point of view. Again, uh, <clears throat> critical and ethical outlets like the Washington Post. It's like, it's Poe's law, where Poe's law is the internet law that you can't um, tell the difference between what's parody and what's real. The last line, the last line broke my fucking brain of, of the, this article. Of the article, okay. Yeah, I, I don't want to fast forward to it, but just, here's a little teaser. Like, like I, like I, I put my phone down and I, I just, I walked around and I, I just took breaths. I wasn't mad, but it just, there was something that was happening that like, I felt sort of like, you know how you're like, you're, you get the idea, like, oh, maybe I'm going to sneeze. Well, this was like, maybe I'm going to have like my first aneurysm. Probably at least, (laughs) at least one that I'm certainly going to have that the last line of this article gave me that sensation. I know what like pre aneurysm feels like. Well, and especially it's, it's, a, it's a callback it's to the thing about Washington Post because because it's the you yeah. know, it's a play on the Washington right, right, Post right. tagline. Yeah, you just you just jump into this thing and and, and then <laughs> it, we'll get to the last line at some point. Okay, so so it's it's, it's short enough here that we'll just read through the whole thing. Um, okay, so, so so Stephen read the first the first paragraph there, and it's written by a guy named Hamilton Nolan, who is a. Uh, a labor reporter for In These Times Mag, and he's also Washington Post public editor um, at CJR. And CJR is where this is where this this piece is written here. So he said, uh, "Okay, okay, okay." Uh, one more glaring data point showing that powerful people no longer think they need the mainstream press, especially critical and ethical outlets like the Washington Post. So first off, this here just it it again should highlight to you the extent to which these people live in a completely different universe than the rest of us, where number one, he sees he, first of all, he's a labor reporter, but then he also sees the Washington post as critical and ethical. (laughs) And in his view, powerful people don't need the mainstream press. I, I, I don't even know how to begin to, to like analyze that statement. It's, it's equivalent to me to saying something like like space is made out of out of horseradish like it just doesn't it doesn't i, I don't under, i don't even know how to start unpacking it yeah but this weird i was like one of the first things i realized too is like this weird paranoia um like of it serves them so well you know what i mean it's just 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 the, the idea that you know that they're they're constantly losing they're constantly um being taken they're never gaining power. Nothing's ever going well enough for them. You know what I mean? They're just always back up against the wall. I mean, just the adrenaline. I just spit everywhere. The adrenaline must be just like flowing through their body um, at just unbelievable levels. Like I, I, I can't understand how they sleep or if they can just sort of turn it on and turn it off. I mean, it's it's inc- it really is incredible. When you when, did you get that at all when you read the article? Oh yeah. Like it's it's like, it's a great example of the way like Moldbug talks about like mind viruses and the way that it, like the way that an adaptive mind virus if you think of viruses of like of ideas like mind viruses um, adapting in the in a in an evolutionary sense so like the ones that have the most adaptive traits will win out and that ultimately you're going to get like the mother of all ideas that has all of the adaptive traits that maximizes for for spread and for efficacy of the idea so the idea itself becomes almost like a living being that is constantly refining itself and improving itself and 
So like a virus, like an actual physical virus that like, like, like coronavirus or whatever, if it's too lethal, it's not good for the, for the survival of the virus because it'll kill its host before its host can infect enough people. So you, you don't want the virus to be self-extinguishing. You want the virus to sustain itself and perpetuate itself and spread itself to as many people. So the virus needs to stimulate action in someone. So a mind virus needs to stimulate action in someone. And it needs to ensure like positive feedback loops are a very, very good thing because like, so you do, you know, action creates stimulus, which promotes action. And you just get this endless loop back and forth forever and ever and ever. The best ideas, the best um, like mind virus ideas are the ones that do that. And that's what they've got here. It's like the more that they, that they accomplish, the more that they in, impact the culture, it's like, it's not good enough. You really go look up this this YouTube channel called Anamnesis. It's spelled A N A M. Please look up the YouTube channel Anam Anamnesis. Yes, and please I hope I'm pronouncing it, it correctly. I know turn that. He... The, I mean, me too. I thought it was different, but whatever Matt said, turn this off and go watch all those videos right now. All of them, and, un most, and especially the most recent one. Oh my! <laughs> the most oh recent one where he talks about the mystery cult of power. It blew my mind. So he, this he dude is this dude is becoming a monster. Like there's what ten or eleven videos now, something like that. Is I don't remember something like that. Like from video nine on or so, I think he just he's just but it's like butterfly time for, for, for this guy. He's, <laughs> he's did you, have you not like kind of like got that vibe? Oh yeah, yeah. Like like, but part of it is that the the content that he's dealing with is kind of the same as as us here. Like the content that he's dealing with is so niche. And so heady mm. that it, it like it's never I don't think he I don't think he has any illusions that he's ever going to be like wildly popular because it's just not something that's ever going to to be. It doesn't lend itself to that. There's like some of us just have these ideas that we talk about that you only try to get them in front of the right people. You know that they don't need to get in front of all the people. They just need to get in front of the right people. And that's how his channel is. His channel is just absolutely jam packed with yeah. like mind blowing insight after mind blowing insight. And I mean, we're, we're like. I know he's going to listen to this and he's going to think we're just doing this just to kiss his ass, but because he reached out to I me after the last that. episode and said that and said that he really liked our channel. But I mean, yeah, I do want to kiss his ass because I think that, that he's great, too. but I mean, like, that came out really, really strange. Yeah. But no, when, no, when, 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 when like you tagged me in the episode and I got a notification that he followed, that, that he followed me, I was just like, man, 17 people understand how excited I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> like and actually his his I mean his his it's not I mean that was a figure of speech. His channel his channel probably has what like three thousand rabid fans or or something like you know what I mean yeah. that which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know. So he so in his most recent episode he um he talked about the the way that the left operates and and the. He called it a, the mystery cult of power, and it was just it was the most incisive breakdown of of the psychology of the left that I've ever seen. But he 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 referenced back. To, I need to go back and listen to it again. But he referenced back to a uh, a, a, a political party in uh, in England in the I don't know it was last several centuries some, at some point. I don't remember exactly when. But basically, these were these people were completely psychotic. They were completely like deranged, insane left-wing people that 
were uh, they they were like kind of like the the commies of today that just were they were never satisfied with anything they were constantly fucking everything up and and pissing everyone off and disrupting and they would they would just they would never accept yes for an answer it was just always more 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 but the result of it was that it didn't matter how many times they accomplished something or they they made some sort of an advance in their their uh, in their their policy agenda. It was never enough. Like they were just mad that there was only that much of an advance and there wasn't more. And that's the mentality that lends itself to domination. Because if you don't accept, if you don't rest on your laurels, if you don't just sit back and accept, okay, well, I think we, you know, it was great that we accomplished that thing, you know, sit down and have a beer and, and kind of take, take a day off or something. That mentality doesn't lend itself to, to absolute greatness. What does is this relent, like never accepting yes for an answer, just going, 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 going all the time. And that's how the modern left is becoming. They, the whole gay marriage thing, like the country flipped on a dime almost overnight. And they act like they're more oppressed now than before, that they, like they haven't won anything. The way that the, the left wing people view the world is it's like there's a there's a. a a, a vast, a vast right-wing conspiracy. There's like this beast that's <laughs> lurking right around the corner, and that these are that they're just like, um, you know, a, a, a small band of of brave, reckless heroes who are journeying through an occupied land, trying to slay dragons or whatever. Like that's how they view themselves, and they have like a complete stranglehold on the culture. And as lo and the thing is. That's a mind virus that perpetuates itself incredibly well, because when you have power and you convince yourself that you don't, you will rule the world. If you can convince yourself that you don't have power, when you do have power, you can accomplish anything. And when that's I was what reading they've done. this article. Like I, I, I was I was it gave me like it gave me like hope. And I just realized, no, I just wish that I was living in either whatever he's convincing himself the world is, you know, the, whatever he, he's fearing. I wish that was the situation. But right, right. Yeah. So <laughs> let's get back to this article. So, so he said, we've read one sentence. So, uh, da, 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 okay, powerful people no longer think they need the mainstream press, especially critical and ethical outlets like WAPO. This presents a problem because the mainstream press still needs powerful people quite literally in the case of the post as it's owned by the world's richest man, Jeff Bezos, who no, who is no fonder of difficult stories about his companies than any other billionaire. We are living through a historic technology fueled shift in the balance of power between the media and its subjects. There's a phrase for you, the media and its subjects. <laughs> There's so many phrases in this fucking article. I mean, it's mind blowing, but yeah, the subjects are winning. The media is losing. Subjects are winning. That's the Hamilton Nolan believes that the subjects are winning, that the media are are poor little victims backed into a this is what I'm telling you. These people have a stranglehold on American popular culture and they view themselves as an oppressed minority backed into a corner. This is the this, this is the most fascinating and terrifying reality that I that, that is in the world right now. This article effectively, for the most part, says we don't control the most powerful people in the world anymore. And that's and that's fucked up. Right. That, that's like more the most powerful it. people in the world are no longer our subjects is this guy's yeah. view. And that means right. that he's a victim. So he said the Internet in general and social media platforms in particular have destroyed one of the media's most important sources of power. 
being the only place that could offer access to an audience. The, I, I, he's right. He's right that this is what's what has has uh, been happening. Like I like to say that the uh, the best thing about the internet is it gives anyone a voice, and the worst thing about the internet is that it gives anyone a voice. And right now he's he's acknowledging that 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 latter half of the of the equation that there's people that he literally thinks should not get an audience. He so the, the, when you talk about like free speech, this guy here says that it's a bad thing that the media is losing the control over determining who gets an audience. So like the whole conversation of free speech is completely dead in the water. And this guy is is hardly a a, a a radical. He's even by their standards. So he said when Elon Musk can say whatever he wants to 40 million Twitter followers at any time with no filter. No filter. We don't get to filter billionaires. It is little surprise that he does not feel compelled to listen to unpleasant questions from some reporter, some reporter who wants to know why he busts unions and wildly accuses people of pedophilia. As journalists, we all view this as a horrifying assault on the public's right to know and on our own status as brave defenders of the public good. The dude cannot stop sucking his own dick. And that yeah, is all I... true for what it's worth. But this is about power. We need to take some back, lest the rich and powerful run away from one of the last forces restraining them. What were you going to say? Oh, no. Uh, well, a couple of things. A, the, like the, the language that, that he's using, I don't think that it would be such a naked um, call of, of regaining power even a handful of years back, maybe. I think it would have been some euphemism for power. Uh, responsibility, uh, so, something that wasn't just like we need to reassert our, our power. Yeah, and yeah, something, something that something that means power. That's a more positive, um, like 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 people people are usually like the nature of you know what. And this is this is in a, right off the channel we just mentioned. But like the name of the game in um, in our society is to not admit that you have any power because that's that's a uh, that's very powerful, right? Is to, is to is to put the power somewhere else, and it's so spread out now. It's very easy to do, but you know we don't have any power, so that's gonna that's gonna be like our our step one to consolidating more power is like you don't want anyone to know that you have have power. But yeah, when I was just reading his his language, he's like, we need we need fucking power. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, right. that's and it, this is pretty. And that's, it's, that's pretty plain language. It's crazy because there, the our entire American mythology is built on the idea that power is bad, power is dangerous. Right. You know, Lord yeah. Acton, you know, power corrupts, yada yada yada. That's the entire premise of of limited government and 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 democracy and representative government and all that kind of stuff is all premised on the idea that that power is a bad thing and it needs to be um, distributed. It needs to be spread around. And really, that's what this guy is saying here is that billionaires are powerful. And the media is powerful, and so the media needs to be able to use their power to mitigate the power of the billionaires. And somehow he sees, like, because one billionaire can tweet and he doesn't like it, he therefore sees that as the media has lost all of its power. So the next, this is where it starts getting really good. So let me go back and read that one more time, what he said just a second ago. He said, uh, but this is about power. We need to take some back, lest the rich and powerful run away from one of the last forces restraining them. Because journalism, particularly at the highest level, 
is about raw power. It is about bringing important people to heal on behalf of the public. This is like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bringing them to heal like a dog. So this is, this is a, uh, it's kind of like, like you're saying, like this, this is, he, he's using his out loud voice. This seems like the type of thing that yeah. you would write as like an internal memo to your mm. Slack channel of journalists, but he's publishing this openly and putting it out there openly the, for, for, for context. This was published October 20 of 2020. So this was two weeks before the election is when he was, when he was putting this out there. So this is the way that journalists think they see their job as that they are in the business of raw power and that their job is to bring important people to heal. Politicians and officials and business leaders don't want to talk to the press, subjecting themselves to the possibility of being made to look bad. They do it because they have always felt like they had no choice. They felt that way because papers like the Post could offer the carrot of great exposure to those who needed it, but also always the stick of negative coverage to those who spurned them. There is nothing devious or ignoble about this, a powerful press, for all its flaws, is good for democracy and tends to promote equality by holding the big shots in check. I don't know who he thinks runs media organizations. I don't know if he thinks that these, if his impression is that media organizations are just crowdfunded by Bernie supporters or something. I don't. I don't know what his what his implicit, what his like assumptions of the structure of these media organizations is, but he's pretty good at determining that, you know, if, if Tesla is owned by Musk, that that means that Tesla is not to be trusted because of the ownership. But apparently media corporations don't operate the same way to him. The fact that they're all owned by billionaires doesn't seem to, I don't know if it doesn't pro like, does that not click with him or does he, is, is this explicit hypocrisy? And, and like we talked about in the last one, last episodes, is this like he's embracing the, hip, the hypocrisy or does it just not even occur to him? I'd, I'd be, I'd be curious to ask him. So, and so if anyone knows Hamilton Nolan, you can send him this episode. So anyone who has ever negotiated to land a contentious interview with a famous person knows that you only get those interviews when your subject fears what will happen to them. If they don't do the interview today, that fear is disappearing. We all need to figure out what to do about that. The Washington Post and its competitors, the elite level of national news, the places that have traditionally set the agenda, are the most vulnerable to this shift. I think that you're right. I think a couple of years ago, they wouldn't have even acknowledged that there is an agenda that's being set by the media. Like that was a that was an idea that would have been verboten a few years ago. And now now he's saying it explicitly, he's saying they've lost the ability to set the agenda and that that's a bad thing. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it, it like reading it was very eye opening to to read that article. I don't know where you found it, but it's very it, it, much it telling on itself. Yeah. Uh, okay, so it says uh, the Washington Post and its competitors, the elite level of national news, the places that have traditionally set the agenda, are the most vulnerable to this shift. I wonder why that is. They are the relatively small portion of the media that is able to command both access and editorial independence. Politicians feel that they must deal with the post, but the post still feels like it can say what it wants, critical or otherwise. That state of affairs, which has been taken granted for decades, is evaporating. So what he's, I mean, what he's observing here uh, correctly is that politicians take their cues from the press, not the other way around. 
This is where you get the title of today's show, The Press-Controlled State. This is the, what he's identifying here is that the press is the seat of power in America. And the press is losing control of the narrative, which means the press needs to reassert itself and take back control of the narrative and, and, and return to the point where they set the agenda and powerful people responded to them. He's telling you, he's pulling the curtain back and he's telling you how the game works. Donald Trump, unfortunately, looms large in this. His imperviousness to the usual blows from the press was evident five years ago. Usual blows from the press. So the press weren't just reporting factually. The press were, were going to blows with him. One of my colleagues at Gawker got so exasperated with Ted Cruz's accusation that the media was sitting on secret Trump scandals during the Republican primary that in 2016, he wrote a story listing the many scandalous Trump stories we had already published to no effect with the headline, Ted Cruz, please help us. We have no idea how to stop Donald Trump. It turns out that being utterly shameless and uttering the words fake news nonstop while having an entire right wing media ecosystem amplify your message really works. Again, this is the, the they've, he's persuaded himself that there's a vast right wing conspiracy, you know, that that uh, what do you call it? Uh, like the Federalist has uh, just a, a, a death grip on the consciousness of America and the entire country is just marching in lockstep with Sean Davis. And this is the, the this is the great um, the great evil of our times. Trump himself, a pure creature of the New York tabloids, is too vain and dumb to realize that he could probably ignore the normal elite press altogether. <laughs> I love that. That's I love that part. That's a really good that's a really good sentence. It's 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 yeah. it's amazing that he it's amazing that he like like misapprehends the situation so dramatically. But that's a fantastic sentence. I, I, yeah, I'm, it, it, no, it's, yeah, you guys say it again. Yeah. Trump himself, a pure creature of the New York tabloids, is too vain and dumb to realize that he could probably ignore the normal elite press altogether. I wonder why he thinks that Trump could no, ignore the elite press altogether, because he could just tweet, I guess, was his position. Because this, this was back before Trump lost his Twitter account. I guess maybe that's his. They, oh God. I mean, I, I don't even know strategically if it would be like in, in Trump's benefit just to like just because that's very, very powerful just to sort of dismiss, you know, somebody and just, you know, com completely ignore their existence. But it's got to just be so fun just owning them. I mean, you remember the, remember the early days, right? Like when he, when he would just, he would just tell people to shut up. <laughs> oh God, it's got to, God, it's got to be just such an ego trip. You, you know, are fake news. Uh, the first time he did that. He flipped the script on that whole thing. I mean, how long did that take? It took a sentence for him to do that? I mean, you well, know. And here's, here's the thing most people don't remember. Fake news yeah. was not a thing that he Trump created. The language. Yes, he took he that from it. them. Exactly. Right. Because that was their, their whole narrative coming out of the 2016 election when they lost and Hillary Clinton had to freak out and come up with a strategy on the fly. Their whole strategy was – we need to uh, go after misinformation. We need to start mm -hmm. controlling the narrative. They realized then that they'd lost control of the narrative. And their whole goal was we need to take control of the narrative and we need to, we need to own um, – we need to start purging media organizations of wrong think. So we're going mm -hmm. to spread this meme of fake news so that we can start you know, engaging in censorship. And he just took it away from them and just beat the shit out of them with it. And the that's dude the utility. Just, oh. 
that's the utility of having somebody who understands how the like has the ability to, to control language. Right. Like has, it's, who, it's, who it's understands the nature of what's happening, who understands right. the seat of power in America and knows how to use it to win at all costs. Yeah. And uh, and although it doesn't although it doesn't matter, um, you know, who's in the White House, uh, I did. I did. While we're talking about because I don't know, we, we have to we can't let an episode go by without that. But, um, yeah, I just saw. Did you see there was an uh, article about some Iraqi missile um, injuring uh, or, or killing a, a, a U.S. somebody? I, some Basically something that in 25 years, I'm going to read an article about how this was a CIA op to get us into whatever war we're about to get in. But I, I, I saw it quickly before we started. Um, but it doesn't matter who's the president. Anyway, continue. It <laughs> doesn't matter who's the, who's the president. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's see. So Trump himself is the pure creature of the New York tabloids. He's too vain and dumb to realize he could probably ignore the normal elite press altogether. But his incredible accumulation of power in the face of countless well-documented scandal stories in the Post and the New York Times and elsewhere, stories that would have brought down earlier presidents, like I, that, that, that alone, the press brings down presidents. Yeah. He's he's yeah. readily acknowledging it here. Yeah, it, it was yeah, that was that was oh and uh, a press controlled Iraq, state. Iraq rocket uh, attack kills military contractor and wounds U.S. service member. That's what it was. But yeah, no, when he was talking about, um, it, it, I mean, it was it was almost just like yeah, this Russian collusion thing did not work, and it was supposed to work. <laughs> right, it was. Uh, you yeah. would think that the fact that they went at it like they did, you would think. This wasn't the first. This wasn't their first rodeo. They were right. using a formula that they've used mm-hmm. to, you know, take down presidents in the past. Again, this is all being mediated by the media, and like to 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 the the average person who like probably the most people who are going to listen to the show are kind of preaching to the choir because like if you're listening to the show, you probably understand how this works already. But this whole concept of the press-controlled state, this is what I want. Honestly, I'm a little late to the scene with this because now it's becoming very, very obvious that the the, the, the the state takes their marching orders from the press. Now that's becoming readily apparent. But it's been apparent for a while now. And it's just now that people are coming to realize it when it's a little too late. And this guy recognized like, – like if you're sitting down to write this piece – you wouldn't write a piece like this, like you said, a couple of years ago. The fact that he's willing to write it now means at least subliminally he recognizes that people already know this, and he's just describing something that's already present. He's he's just describing the 800-pound gorilla sitting in the room. He doesn't have to hide it anymore. He can just he can just acknowledge it. Like, hey, look, you know, we're the ones who take down presidents, and we tried to take down that one, and it didn't work. And, I mean, if he could write this now, he would probably be talking about how they successfully took him down with a shadowy cabal from Time Magazine. Go back and listen to one of the last episodes we did, and we talked about that. So, uh, okay, stories that would have brought down earlier presidents. Okay, let me read this again. But Trump's incredible accumulation of power in the face of countless well-documented scandal stories in the Post and the New York Times and elsewhere, stories that would have brought down earlier presidents, is a proof of concept that will surely be used by smarter characters in the future. There you go. That's the money line right there. What he's saying is Trump did it, but we can't ever let anybody do it again. We must ensure that it never happens again. 
We must ensure that the press takes back control of the state and never relinquishes it. The people who dictate who gets an audience and who gets a voice, we need to be in the business of ensuring that the right people don't get a voice no matter how powerful they are, no matter what resources they have, no matter who they have at their disposal, they cannot take control of the narrative again. We must control the narrative. We must ensure that only approved people get a voice. This is what he's saying. The question for the post is, what are you going to do about it? When the fear that was instilled in generations of politicians by Watergate wears off and the federal government becomes ever more populated by officials who have discovered that no matter how meticulous David Farenthold's reporting is, it won't move the needle that much on entrenched public opinion. When the full flowering of the social media age turns even the most prestigious paper into just another mid-sized Facebook page struggling to catch up to the reach of damn Pancino. <laughs> that was all that made my day because you know, I, I was going to jump in. There's like a, there was a, a, a line in there where it said it said Trump, unfortunately, in like it was just like the like third thing by like I don't think it's only the second paragraph, but like that I could just kind of hear the like the like this little snick like snick like um and i just said all right i have to look up because i i did not see the name i did not see the name but i was just like okay this is woman this is a i want to see if this is a woman or just like a a, a man who is just absent of any kind like, of testosterone like i know that i know this guy has never touched a weight in his life this guy has no, never done a curl. no hold up hold up hold up You're, this is the best thing uh someone also said um hamilton nolan I don't trust anyone with two last names and I couldn't agree more. I saw his name was Hamilton, but I, so I looked him up, I looked him up and he has the, the, the face that you think that he would, but there's pictures of him where he's like, just like juiced to the moon. You know what I mean? I mean, he's just massive, like his, in his, in his like body in some photos. And, um, I, and I saw, uh, I found an article. What's wrong with his head? It was, it was, it was, it's it's a weird Google image search this guy, but um, yeah, one of there was some article on on like Gawker that was talking about the the twenty most most useless journalists of two thousand twelve or something like that, and he was in there, and it was like <laughs> nineteen steroid jokes, like it was just it was talking about it was a roid rage reference, and it and um it, it, there, there were several others, but like yeah, he's clear he's somebody who looks like he is named Hamilton Nolan. And has all like the character attributes of somebody who's named Hamilton Nolan, but then um, and then but then it just looks like just added steroids to that. And so when he when he called out Dan Dan Bongino, I don't, I don't even barely know that guy's name, but I've seen him enough to know that like he's explicitly explicitly jealous of how a T-shirt fits that guy. Like that's <laughs> a thousand percent why 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 he used him like and, and like if he didn't use him he would have used the hodge twins like i mean just psychologically there is no mystery as to what is going on with this guy i was so happy that that i i, I cared enough because i just want i wanted to see just the way he was writing i'm like is this a chick this is like a or is it just like i'm it's feeling this, i'm like yeah exactly but like <laughs> like that, like I've been listening to a lot of the quash and one of his themes is he just, he's like, yeah, it's already, or, you know, just one of these low T guys, you know, and just like, he keeps saying low T. 
It's my favorite thing on the internet right now. It's my favorite thing to listen to is this guy call somebody a low T guy. <laughs> it's it, this oh. is a this is a you could you could fill up episodes of like the psychology of this guy of a, like he's a labor reporter. I would bet oh. money that this guy went to a, a, a an academy or a high school that cost at least thirty thousand dollars a year. The the guy There's is no it, doubt. The, the 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 dude's name is Hamilton Nolan. He yeah. he definitely had a maid growing up. Like there's no question. And now he's a labor reporter and he's he's bemoaning the fact that Dan Bongino has an audience. He the, the guy is threatened by Dan Bongino. That tells you a lot about the dude. That he sees Dan Bongino as a threat. Inferiority. Not not as a threat to him. He sees Dan Bongino as a threat to the Washington fucking Post. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This is this is. I think this is too uh, too assigned. Someone said that you that you guys are training the choir. All right. So here here you go. Listen to the very beginning, or read or listen to the very beginning of um uh um what the what the fuck is name Uncle Ted's masterpiece um. Modern tech, no technology, industrial, what, what, industrial, industrial society and its future. So, industrial society and its future. Good. We're Sorry. on a watch list uh, now. Just the first bit. It's on. It's it, it, there's like YouTube videos. Uh, another great YouTube channel, by the way, is the Unists. Um, it's a great one. Like they have like video uh, video audio books, I guess. Um, the first little bit where it talks about the psychology um, of you would say the psychology of the left, but it's like it's just that. It's just that kind of like we're always losing. We don't like symbols of strength. There's so much in there in, in, in 15, 15, 20 minutes. I mean, it, it'll 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 blow your mind. Just that just that much of like the, the fucking three hour video, or whatever, which is the first like 15 or 20 minutes. And then um, when Matt's talking about um, when Matt's talking about, you know, the, the, the press controlled state. And then uh, there was like a comment in here about how uh, Trump. Like Trump in, in, in the MAGA movement. Um, felt that they were losing, you know, even when they were in power. Well, they were up against every other power center in existence, and, and they knew that. And moreover, um, if you look at uh, anamnesis, I, I don't know how to say it. <laughs> Leave in the comment how to pronounce that, pronounce that um, YouTube channel. But um, he's got a video about uh, the iron polygon as opposed to yes. the iron triangle. And so he goes through all these actual power centers, not just the executive branch and the judicial, but like how power actually works. And you'll just see how much more robust the, the media is as a power center um, as compared to the executive branch that, that Trump was, uh, was occupying. And it might help kind of frame these, these things a little better. But those are my two. Um, required reading suggestions. The 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 state is just as this is this is part of the, the so as we kind of wrap this up. I got to finish the last paragraph of this, but the state is just a subset of the power structure in the United States. So 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 really, I, I don't know who it was. I didn't see the comment, but but the by definition, the right was not in power even when Trump was president, and that's what I'm that's what we're trying to get through to you. That having the presidency doesn't change much at all the only thing that trump accomplished was through his messaging his his impact on the culture went above and beyond the presidency the like clearly he wasn't in power because he's no longer president 
and given the nature of the the, the, the power structure, if he was if he was if he was in power, if he had power, he would still be the president. So, you know, March fourth or whatever, be damned. So, the that 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 observation that the right felt like they weren't in power even when they when they they were they weren't in power. That's the thing. They weren't in power. Just trying to take political parties, just trying to take over political institutions isn't going isn't actually attaining power because that's not where the power starts. The political system is just a tool for the actual power structure. That's what we're trying to get through to you today. So the very last last paragraph here is just an it's a absolute good one. whopper. It's so, a good one. So I, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go back and read the paragraph I just finished just to, to provide the context for it. So he'd said that uh, that that Trump's accumulation of power in the face of, of countless well-documented scandal stories that would have brought down earlier presidents is a proof of concept that will surely be used by smarter characters in the future. The question for the Post is, what are you going to do about it? When the fear that was instilled in generations of politicians by Watergate wears off, and when the federal government becomes ever more populated by officials who've discovered that no matter how meticulous David Farenthold's reporting is, it won't move the needle that much on entrenched public opinion, and when the full flowering of the social media age turns even the most prestigious paper into just another mid-sized Facebook page struggling to catch up to the reach of Dan Bongino, what is the Post going to do about it? I must admit, I do not know the answer. All I know is that there is only one way the press maintains its power on society. You guys ready? There's only one way the press maintains its power in society. By metaphorically putting the heads of powerful people on pikes. I'll let that settle for a second. By metaphorically putting the heads... I think that's why got kicked off of YouTube. For saying yeah. something... I, I, I think that's what it was. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, and uh, so they, there you go. There's the double standard again. You could say it if you're the right person by metaphorically putting the heads of powerful people on pikes. This is how power works. They're telling you, they're telling you the playbook. They're laying it out for you. If the post and all the other respectable media outlets lose their ability to do that, powerful people will by extension Stop caring what the well-informed segment of the public thinks. <laughs> fucking, it fucking shut my brain off again. I was thinking of something totally different. Ew. Oh, God. It's like, and, oh. and it, okay, okay, we got to get the last sentence in. We got to get the last sentence in. It's a cr concussion grenade, kind of. Oh. Democracy dies in dumbness. Oh, I'm dumber now. Fuck. <laughs> Democracy died. God, I'm so much dumber. Oh, I heard it again. I hear honestly he's not he's not wrong, really. Democracy does die in dumbness. There's just a, a whole hell of a lot of dumbness. And that's why democracy always dies. <laughs> it's the the sentence be can you read the sentence before? I'm gonna take a, a breath. I'm gonna concentrate so hard. Can you, you please read the sentence before that? <laughs> This is this is a this is why I said Poe's law. This is why I said Poe's law. Like you can't tell if this is Babylon B or CGR. I'm bracing myself. Come on, I'm going to lose it if you don't read it. Please read if, the sentence. If the, if the Post and all the other respectable media outlets lose their ability to do that, to put the heads of powerful people on pikes, powerful people will, by extension, stop caring what the well-informed segment of the public thinks. 
this is one of the most masturbatory things that I've ever read. Well, in the... I, I feel like I have a fever and goosebumps. I don't know what's happening. The well-informed. <laughs> what in the world? God. Uh. If you told me that they wrote this article, I'd be like, man, get the fuck out of here. Like, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, that would be, like, that would be, so, if I read that, if I read that and, 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 um, and I was, and, and you told me, it's like, hey, I figured a way to sort of infiltrate the power structure and kind of in, I'm going to, I'm going to have this submitted under this other name and like what I, I just bet, man, you got to fucking dial this shit back a little bit, bro. No one's going <laughs> yeah. like, well, to, this, 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 is, this is the shadowy cabal thing all over again. Yeah. But it would, I mean, it preempted the shadowy cabal it's from October 20. True, 20. true, true. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, so yeah, it's this, even more, it's even more brazen. This would have been way more mind blowing if, even more mind blowing to me if I saw it before the Times piece. You know what I mean? Also, yeah. this guy is pissed that he didn't write the Times piece. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no this question. This guy's fucking ripped. There's gonna be he's gonna have uh, people like write in. He like he will pen fake letters and like write them in and just being like, yeah, Nolan, Nolan Hamilton or whatever my goofy name is, you know was saying all of this back, you know, basically back, back last year, like he, he's going to, Oh man, he's getting IP address. Yeah. Yeah. This guy's, this guy's a monster. This guy's just psychologically, man, there's something going on big time, but there is with all of them. Shout out it, to it takes, it takes a special you. kind of, of, of person to be, to be a journalist and to, to exist in this ecosystem. And they're like, they, they say that the, that you're the, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time around. And they're, these people are embedded in a, in a, in a culture that's just, it's, it's, they see themselves as being responsible for, for, for dictating reality to people. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, you have to first dictate the reality to yourself. So they've dictated this reality to themselves and they live in a fantasy world and they're just getting mad that other people don't want to live in that fantasy world with them. And again, it's this dangerous dynamic of having no power and thinking that you have power and, or, or the other way around having power and thinking you have no power because then you're endlessly motivated to do whatever you can to get more power and you already have power. So you're using the power that you already have to get even more. And it's just a, it's a, an endless feedback loop. No matter what you do, you're never going to feel like you have enough. So you're going to keep escalating more and more to, to, to accumulate more power for yourself. So I've been going kind of long here. So um, um, Hamilton, Hamilton, Nolan wishes he was the kingmaker. And abs- absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. he's, he, he, he recognizes that he used to be the kingmaker and yeah. he wants to retain that, that role. Because because mm-hmm. really, because the fact of the matter here is that there is a genuine opportunity for 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 genuine progress to be made here. There is an opportunity for people to to extricate themselves from this system, but they're not going to do it until they have an alternative. They're not going to the when when the when the the business of of liberty oriented people is just going around telling everyone else how shitty their worldview is. And, and that they should stop valuing the things that they value and they should instead value the things that we value. When that's the extent of your message, then 
you're not going to go anywhere. Then it's not it, it it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't resonate. It doesn't click with people, and it doesn't give them anything to attach themselves to. In order to in in order to persuade people to see the world that you want them to see, they need to get something out of it. You have to give them something. You you have to promise them. I mean, you, you you kind of you have to promise them a, a a reward for joining your movement. You have to promise them something. Like like humans are humans are are, are scummy little things. Like this is just kind of how we how we tick. It's like what what what's in it for me? What's in it for me? Oh, I get moral victories. Okay, well yeah, I'm not interested then. Oh, you you don't even get moral victories. You just you just kind of you just sit around and yell at each other all the time. Okay, well yeah, so I'm not I'm not interested. And here's where here's where I'm I'm like. I'm feeling very conflicted about this whole whole Dave Smith taking over the LP with Hotep Jesus. I'm, I'm very conflicted about it because I see a fantastic opportunity. I see a great chance to get people who know how to communicate a good message in front of a lot of people. My concern is that when they get in front of a lot of people, they're not going to communicate the right message. Because my concern is with with Dave in particular that he hasn't fully grasped the 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 nature of the beast, and and one of the major pieces of evidence toward that direction to me is that is him he's talking about how many people he's going to get into the LP. He's like he's like I can grow the LP by a hundred thousand people or whatever whatever he said about it, and like even thinking along those lines, it's 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 like you've already lost. That's already. Number one, if you think that a hundred thousand people in the LP is going to change anything, like I, I posted a comment in some some thread earlier today, I said getting a hundred thousand people, hundred thousand more people into the LP will take the LP from irrelevant to also irrelevant. It doesn't. This this is like this isn't a numbers game. We're not we're not playing a numbers game. We're playing a power game, and power doesn't require numbers as much as it requires <clears throat> coherent strategy. And like the numbers are the the numbers are the thing that you get once you've got all your other ducks in a row. And right now, if your goal is to try to extricate people from the cathedral, you need to have something else to offer them. And right, the, I, the LP doesn't have anything to offer them. What do you what, like? What's your message? Your message is, oh, you don't need that. You shouldn't. You shouldn't be. You shouldn't be relying on the state. You don't need it. It's bad. Okay. We're, like, do you think that that the problem is that not enough people have heard that message, and if you just get it in front of a few more people, that that's going to make a difference? Because I'm telling you, that's not going to make a difference. I'm telling you, nobody's going to resonate with that message. If you're like, okay, our platform's going to be anti-Fed and anti-war, and we're going to tell everybody about how bad the Federal Reserve is, you're cooked. Nobody gives a shit about the Federal Reserve, man. Nobody gives a shit about anti-war. You can't just be anti-war. That's Tulsi, Tulsi Gabbard's issue. All she is is anti-war. She doesn't have another setting. And so she, because she doesn't have another setting, because she's reduced down to a set of talking points, she doesn't get people's attention. So if your if your goal is that you're 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 just trying to get more people into the LP, and then you know like this is where I'm like, okay, well, I guess if you're you're like, all right, we're going to target target local governments, state and local governments, and we're going to try and take over the school board and yada yada yada. Oh yeah, okay, like that's. That seems like a that seems like a, a noble goal. Like I, I I can get behind that. But what I don't want to see is for the liberty movement's best and brightest 
to get a chance on a stage and come out with a shitty message that doesn't appeal to anybody. That's what I'm that that's that's what I fear. That's what I fear is going to happen. I fear that that like I I think that that Dave is as far as like potential libertarian party candidates or something as far as they go I think Dave is is the best that we have to offer. I think that he's 1, easily 1000% the guy. He's the guy. He is the yeah. guy. But keep talking. I'll be right you, back. You, you Dave had this tweet the other day and I, I I'm not I'm not I, I'm struggling with this because I don't want to just be like shit on Dave. I'm not like my goal is to isn't to 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 just try to you know just try to, to shit over Dave. That's not what I'm trying to do here. Like I'm I'm wrestling with this because because I don't want to see a good opportunity wasted. And yeah, Aleppo. Tony says Aleppo. It's yeah, it's it's, it's a similar. Thing. I, I I don't think that Dave's going to step on his dick like Gary Johnson did. I just, I just. Although he could, from what I, from what I've heard, he, <laughs> it's a very real possibility. Oh really? Uh, that's, yeah, that's the word on the streets. Um, um, yeah. you 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 kind of took the the legs out from one of what I was going to say. Um, now, I'm not. I mean, I might not be criticizing Dave Smith the same way that 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 you are. I my criticism with Dave Smith, of course, is that he platforms white supremacists and is a pipeline uh, from for the alt right into the into the LP. And I'm outraged by this, and I want to debate him on lines of liberty. Definitely not just to grow the audience of this show, but um, he did have a tweet um, back in okay December 3rd of 2020, and it was a libertarian message for 2021. And I was wondering if. If, if, if I read it to you, would you explain to me what is good or bad about it and what some alternatives might be? Or would that might, may, might be what we talk about on Wednesday? Hit, hit me with I'll that read, and we'll see. I'll, I'll read it anyway. Libertarians mess it. Libertarians. And it's a purposeful, I noticed, small L, it seems, because it's the first word. So small L libertarians message for 2021. End the lockdowns immediately and open the economy completely. I'm a big fan of that. <clears throat> End all foreign wars. End all corporate bailouts slash welfare. Audit slash end the Fed. Support self-defense by armed citizens against rioters and or cops. Resist the cathedral always. There's so, so there's good and there's bad in there. Um, I think, I think you're right. I think we, we've gone, we're coming up on two hours. So I think it'd be better to take that into, into the next episode on Wednesday. Shout out to the same damn 10 people who've been watching this for two fucking hours on a Monday. Yeah, you guys way. are the real MVPs. We are going to be anamnesis, 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 <laughs> Please, please save us, man. Save us, save us for your, uh, teach us how, <laughs> teach us how to pronounce the name of your channel. Please. Um, I'll just, us. I'll just finish this up with two, two different things from Twitter. Because everything, I mean, everything's from Twitter. Um, first of all, was was something Dave said a few days ago. He said, "College is a government program. There is no chance that 18-year-olds would spend four years going 100k into debt studying gender, if the government wasn't subsidizing the schools and the loans. Big corporations are propped up by the government. Wokeism is a government program." And that, that I, uh, you're almost there. Wokeism isn't a government program. The government is a wokeism program. Well, 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 well. Air horns. We need one for the episode. I'm sorry. That was a hot take right there. I mean, that's a line. Do you hear that one? 
not only that one, but the one, uh, the one earlier that I, that I barely remember about how, uh, culturally that this is the, um, this is the Afghanistan of, of, uh, equivalent of, of, of the culture oh, the, war. Yeah, That's yeah. another good one. That yeah. needed an air horn too. Leave in the comments if you know where to find, um, air horns soundboards. <laughs> Again, this is, this is the, this is the fallacy that the, that if you're like, if you're trying to dig down to the roots of power in America, there's this libertarian fallacy that at the very bottom, if you like uncover, you're digging dirt, throwing dirt back over your head, finally get to the very bottom, chunk, your, your shovel hits something hard at the bottom. That thing down there is not the government. The government is one of the pits of dirt that you threw out over you as you were going for what's at the bottom. What's at the bottom is the new religion that is taking over the country, that is, that is taking over popular culture, which again is this secular atheist, uh, bastardized Christianity where people are deriving their meaning from their, from victimization, from victimhood and from, from this idea of social justice. That's what's at the root of things. And where did that idea come from? That idea didn't come from the government. It flowed through the government. The government is just a, you can't think of things as you can't think of, 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 of institutions as individual actors institutions don't act people do people within institutions act and powerful people move from one institution to the next but their power flows with them the power isn't tied to the institution the power is tied to the people who are in it and what the people want and what they're driving at they use the institutions toward their ends but if you take the institution away the people are still there and they're going to use whatever other institution they can so if you're if you're in this thing about where we're going to abolish the state, you're, you're not like the, you're not getting at the root of the problem. The state isn't the root of the problem. The state is a product of the problem. You have to go at the root. You have to attack the root. And you if you want people to join your movement, you have to give them purpose. You have to give them meaning and you have to describe to them a vision of the future that will that empowers them, that gives that that they derive something directly, immediately, materially from participating in your movement. Oh, and also it needs to appeal to the powers that be. It needs to appeal to people who have wealth and power because if it doesn't, they will crush it. And we've just seen what happens when an institution stops appealing to, or when a, when a, when a character stops appealing to people with power. Once, once Trump crossed a certain line, he had to be taken out. He had to be taken down. And if they took Trump down, the way that they did, and they're talking now about putting the heads of powerful people on pikes, then coming out with this whole "we're going to end all foreign wars" and "we're going to we're going to audit the Fed" and all of this, you're you're like a you're you're like a, a, a I don't know a sparrow trying to attack a Sherman tank. You you like you're not going to even leave a dent. You're going to be a bug on a windshield. And you're advertising your intent with no institutional power behind you, with no support, with no, um, with with no with no ammo. You you're not coming. You're 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 coming empty-handed. So 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 I'm I'm I oh, I struggle because I don't I don't want to offer a, crit, a critique or a criticism without giving a, a game plan to replace it with. Because that's exactly what I'm criticizing in libertarians. I'm saying all you guys have is a, is a criticism, but you don't have something to replace it with. I have something to replace it, 
but it's not like fully fleshed out. And 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 part of the problem it here will be Wednesday, is that, maybe. Yeah, Wednesday. Part of the problem here maybe. is that we need people invested in fleshing it out. That's where people need to be focused. They need to be focused on building whatever the institution of the future is going to be. And as we get into the conversation about why there's always going to be institutions, the institutions are going to, you know, everything flows through institutions. This is a uh, there's a whole theory behind all this, but there, you, we need to be in the business of building the institutions for tomorrow. So I agree at the local level, that does mean get involved in politics and run in elections and have a radical agenda at the local level. But you need you, anybody who goes into this on a national scale and is like trying to get a national platform. Right now, what I'm seeing from Dave isn't going to cut it. And I think that not only is it not going to be successful, I think it's going to be actively counterproductive. That's my concern. I, man, yeah, I, I've like I've said for the longest time that I, that I think Dave is the guy. And again, he's someone who can put some some fucking bass in his voice, and people are drawn to. He's like a natural leader, you know. He's 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 a he's a fucking Chad kind of, you know what I mean? Um, more so than anybody in the in the libertarian uh, movement than I I tend to hear. I can't even think. I can't actually. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head in in particular. I mean, there's a bunch of cool guys, but like in in terms of that fucking just like. That energy, I, I I can't really think of, of of anyone. He knows how to uh, capture an audience. That's like yeah, that's that's yeah. that, like that's uh, attention is all that matters. Attention yeah. is the name Jeff, of the game. Attention is the currency. Jeff Dice makes me listen, but Jeff Dice does it in a different way. But Jeff Dice, Jeff Dice has like a, a a real confidence to him too. Um, you know, but um, <clears throat> but yeah, like it, there's not a lot anyway. You know, so I've been a big advocate of 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 Dave doing something forever. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I think that, man, we keep saying part of the problem. That's funny. Um, <laughs> when people, when people are looking at where we're, where, where we're at, they're looking at it like, oh man, look how fucked up things got over the past few years or the past decade or whatever. And just, this is, I mean, Jesus Christ, we're talking about some essays written in world war one, you know, that are sort of the, the roots of this has just been building for, so long this has been building for centuries yeah to think to think that just like coming out like you capture people's attention when you say you know all right we got to end the state all right you got my attention you know what i mean fair fair enough but like um there was someone in the comments said something very similar to whatever i'm going to say but it's just like it's like if you it's like if you know how to fucking dunk but like you can't break a full court press you know what i mean Mm. Like mm-hmm. in, in, in your your back your back before half court or something like like but you're like way the fuck back before half court you know what I mean right um yeah it it it, it, it it's not there and so I don't you know the the idea of like the idea of of marketing um oh uh, hey we're a hundred years away from maybe having a shot at this liberty thing like that's not a sexy <laughs> message you know so basically what we're saying is uh you, libertarians you need to start telling white people that they're evil and encourage them to kill themselves. In uh, in about a century or two, <laughs> and we're definitely get this and channel deleted. <laughs> we are go- we, we are gonna um, we are gonna uh, reanimate Murray Rothbard, and he's gonna be president, uh, the unwilling president of Ancapistan. Here's here's a really good observation. There's two really good observations here from Dil87 in the in the YouTube chat. Here, he, first he says, 
Uh, let, me, let me go in reverse here. First, he says, uh, Dave still likes principles in a game where they don't matter. Bingo. That's a big thing. If you're talking about your principles. People who are principled. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's very much in my nature. And I appreciate that about people. But it's like this weird. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's that it, you, it really is that guy's YouTube channel. If you, you watch that guy's YouTube channel and just kind of like look at how all this shit works and where we're at. It's like you really will get the idea that we're in fucking jail. Uh, and your principles, your principles are sadly useless. If, if, if your principles, if acting according to your principles results in the extinguishing of your principles, then you have bad yeah. principles. You need to fix your principles. You need better principles that will act that, that when you act according to your principles, that will actually result in, in your own success and the success of the people who you love and, and, and the people around you. Those are the only principles that are worth anything. So it's not that it's not that principles don't matter. It's that in politics, principles don't matter. The other thing that he said here that's fantastic. This is the this is kind of the first thing I said as soon as I heard Dave say the thing about how oh we're going to take over the Libertarian Party, but we're uh, we're not going to actually try to accomplish anything. He says, why does Dave need a political party if he's not okay with using political power but Ooh, using it to spread yeah. a message when he's already doing it? Exactly. Mm. You're saying, what, like Dave said this to, to, to Jesus. He said he said the message I want to get across to people is that you don't need a political party. Okay, then why are you using one? Because it seems like mm. you're trying to say that you can't accomplish anything without using this political party. Like this is the best path forward is we have to use this political party because that's the mm. way we can actually get our message out. But your message is you don't need political parties. This, this, this don't is, you this see is, the, the this, conflict here? This is, this is, this is the thing. And like we, we, can, we can hear this up Wednesday. And this, if I say it now, maybe there's a chance I'll fucking remember. But like the, I, I, I tweeted this out, but if – if the L, cause to this point, if the, if the Libertarian Party was not called the Libertarian Party, would anyone give a fuck about trying to take it over, save it? You know what I mean? Fantastic like if observation. Have, if, if it didn't have the name on it, it's like, would you be so married to it? Like if, if, the, if the LP was called a bunch of leftists who hate you and have ideas that are antithetical to the things that the best libertarians are trying to pursue and achieve, like, would you give a fuck about using that party for anything the infrastructure of which is controlled by the cia <sighs> god damn can we we're not going to make the 500 subscribers before nope <laughs> okay so okay real quick i, I want to just just make sure that i reemphasize what you just said if the libertarian party was not called the libertarian party would you want anything to do with it so the only reason that people want anything to do with it is because it happens to have a name that right. is something that they resonate with, but and yeah. and it's also he's like, well, it's the third, it's the third largest party in the country. And it, well, again, like y your whole message is you don't solve problems through politics. Yet you feel like the only thing you can do is get this platform through a political party, and it matters that it's the third largest political party because that'll give you a larger platform. And I mean, like, okay, yeah, it will. You will get a larger platform through it. But you can't use that platform to try to spread a libertarian message. That's self that's that's self-defeating. Nobody wants to hear a libertarian message. The libertarian message drives people away from 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 pursuing a libertarian world. That's the fact of the matter. And this is the last thing I wanted to say here is that I tweeted this yesterday. I said in a market, those who sell protection, vengeance and conquest will always outcompete those who sell nothing packaged as freedom and liberty that's what the libertarian message is it's nothing packaged as freedom and liberty and you will always be outcompeted by those who are offering people protection 
vengeance, and conquest. So unless, until you've come up with a, with a way to, to reach people who want protection, vengeance, and conquest, your movement is dead in the water. And this is a, this is a little tip for the future for, with a, 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 a reference to what we're going to talk about on Wednesday, one of the things we'll talk about, which is that an effective movement doesn't need to appeal to lots of people. Trying to appeal to a majority is is pointless. You don't. That's not power. Isn't doesn't flow through the majority. The majority is drawn to the power. The power doesn't flow through them. So that's another. The whole like your goal is to try to get as many people in the LP as possible. Whatever you know, you've you've lost it. That's not that's not the way that you attain political power. It isn't, and it never will be. This is the, the this is why democracy doesn't work because the majority are led around by their nose. So you need to understand how the people who lead them by the nose do it and then replicate that in a way that will favor the world that the, your ends in the world that you want to be, that you want to create. This is what I think we should do as we come up on 120 fucking minutes with these 10 people watching. God bless you on a Monday <laughs> night um, is on Wednesday. I think we should go through that tweet. I know it's an old tweet and like Dave already went through it and everything like that, but we can kind of talk about with people, uh, what's good in that tweet as as a message? What's bad in that tweet as a message or or whatever? I'm interested to know because I like the tweet, Dave. Although I still want to debate you on lines of liberty. Um, <clears throat> because you platform white supremacist platformers are <laughs> pipelines all right in the Libertarian Party. <clears throat> but um, all right. So that the tweet right, and then maybe we can kind of discuss, and it would be interesting since the the audience audience that we have is so fucking smart like have some kind of discussion about uh, like what is the, what is the right vehicle um, or, or, you know, okay. Sorry. So the, L, the LP is going to be the vehicle. Like we'll, we'll like, we'll leave that where it is. What is the best uh, use for this opportunity? And then like, what, what are, what are other vehicles? If we like open up the discussion a little bit more, it's like, what is needed? Like, like the, you selected Dave Smith um, in a video game to like make Liberty happen. Hmm. Right. Like what we have him do. And I'm interested to hear everyone's ideas. That's a really, that's a really, really interesting subject, actually. Let's do yeah. that. Let's do that. That's, should we have people? Well, first of all, I'll tell people before we finish up, if you guys could uh, do us a favor again and like this video and share it. We have in uh, the YouTube stream right now, we've got 10 people watching. And of those 10 people, we have four likes. So, need to get some more likes out of you guys. You guys got to do your part. We sat here and we talked for two hours. All you guys did is listen. I don't like, I don't like hitting that thumb either. I feel dumb. I don't like people <laughs> telling me what to do. I think it's like, I like this. I feel it's like below me. But this is an example. This is the system that we were in. So, like, that's, that's how YouTube works. I'm just going to berate works. people until they like it. Like this goddamn video. And share it. Or unsub Please. and unsubscribe and don't ever listen again. <laughs> <to Matthew. laughs> okay, okay, okay. Two hours. Two hours is enough. I've yeah, got it. Oh, and yeah. Also, also um, follow the channel. Subscribe to the to the YouTube channel here, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Real Kingpilled. And then uh, Stephen, where do you want people to follow you? Messina Inc. on Twitter. You got to spell. Back it. when I had multi Oh, Inc. Like Incorporation and Messina is M E S S I N A. Um. Yeah, that's probably that's probably good. 
<laughs> all right. Thanks for thanks for tuning in here, guys. Thanks for putting up with all of our, our goofiness here. Um, let us know. Reach out to us. Let us know what you thought of this episode. Leave us a comment um, or, or tweet at us or DM us or you know, do whatever. Do whatever. Yeah, it was you, really fun. There's, don't tell be, me what be, you thought be, of this Be assured that, that ultimately we don't actually care about your – no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't want to be the bad one next episode. <laughs> Steven only nice wants one. to be good cop. <laughs> all right thanks guys we'll talk to you later Wednesday, it's gonna be fun yes wednesday wednesday 7 p.m pacific we'll be here at the exact same place again i'm gonna to try to figure out how to get a streaming on twitter because it's not working for some reason but you can my go to youtube is, my goal in life is to hear um and two two guys that look the same with 11 <laughs> youtube subscribers are trying to tell me how to get attention Go f- I, my, I'll die so fucking happy. Oh, yeah. That. Oh, yeah. I'm just waiting for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think he'll ever know what happens, but yeah, I mean, it would be funny regardless. <laughs> All right. See you.